All right. You're all so quiet. Nice to see you. So grateful, so thankful for the infinite love, the pure intelligence, the wisdom and the clarity that is ours eternally. So grateful to open ourselves to unprecedented love and healing, light and joy, freedom and peace. We open ourselves to recognize these spiritual qualities are our identity. And we are grateful to allow ourselves to live fully expressed, no matter what the circumstances are. We are grateful to come together for a purpose of healing and revealing our natural holiness. We are grateful to come together for the purpose of being of service. And we share the benefits of our life of love, of our service with everyone, because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, things have changed a lot in our world since the last time we met, and things are going to change uh, a lot more uh, between now and the next time we meet. And uh, we're, we're here to help people through uh, one of the worst times in their lives, and we can do that. So I'm going to be putting out... Uh, information about spiritual counselors on a much more regular basis. And as I indicated the other day, uh, launching this very simple prayer ministry uh, that can serve uh, a lot of people and give people a place to come and hear a word of prayer that will uplift them and, and comfort them. And I'm open to any ideas that you have, uh, and I also would like to answer all your questions. So, who who's got questions? Let's start with that. Amy. Um, I guess my biggest question right off the bat, because I've been hearing this from quite a few people, not just in counseling, but and especially my dad, is how do you talk to someone that's worrying about dying if they're not, like when I'm talking to you all and we all study the same things, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I know what I believe about dying, but if I talk to him especially, and I'll, I'll, you know, for me, it's like, well, if you go within, you know, there's a space inside you that can't be touched, you know, that can't touch the song. I just keep thinking of that this whole week. Yeah. But that doesn't help him because he looks at me like I can't touch that self inside of me. You know, I can't even reach that. And another friend of mine is the same way. And so I guess I just would love some advice on what you would say to someone who is very concerned about dying. Yeah. Well, the first thing I would do is I would not say something. I would just listen. 
I really would just listen. I'd just say, I would ask questions like, um, tell me more about that. Would you tell me more about that? I'd like to understand better what you're thinking and feeling. And then I just keep looking for questions I could ask to help them really empty their bucket and get it all out. Because that, that is deeply nourishing for people to be able to do, is to just get it all out. I, I, I taught a forgiveness workshop in New York City a couple months ago, and there were some um, young women, like in their 20s, early 30s, and, uh, you know, I had them break into triads like I always do and share on particular things of what they were feeling and thinking and what their concerns were. And um, one of the things that some of them said was, I am surprised at how comforting and relieving it is just to share how I really feel. And um, it, it was a good reminder for me because I, I, most of the time I feel comfortable and free to share what I really feel. And so I'm sharing it all the time. Uh, but a lot of people are not comfortable in their families and friends and social environments to share how they really feel. And so a lot of times they don't actually know how they really feel because they um, are hiding it even from themselves and also because we live a life now where many people don't give themselves an opportunity to feel how they feel. You know, they go from their job where they're not feeling their feelings to their car where they're listening to the radio or something like that, not feeling their feelings. And then they get home and they go right into their relationships. Or if they're alone, they immediately turn on the television and the television keeps them company until they go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. So they, a lot, uh, uh, I would say the majority of people are not in touch with their feelings. So giving them a chance to express their fears, worries, and concerns, it actually relieves them. Uh, now, let's just see, who can share some insights about why you, you can feel that relieves us when we get to be able to talk about our feelings? Let's just be super clear about it. I'd like, can I share, Jennifer? Yeah, Connie. I feel very close to what she's talking about just with the, my son. Um, for me, it validates that I'm being heard. I'm not being discounted because I've gone through a lot of that with my grief for people to shut me down, telling me just to get through it. Yeah. So it just makes me feel invalidated. Like, I'm sorry you're suffering, but move on. Yeah. Oh, I know that thing. Telling people who who have lost loved ones to move on, it's you've got to move on and stuff like that. It's they have no idea how disrespectful that is. No. You're never going to move on. You 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 will shift and change, and you will uh, have healing. But you you know, it's like. It's just the words even move on or just, or get over it. Yes, that's um, another one. 
it's just, uh, they just don't know. They just don't know. You know, when I first heard uh, an 80-year-old woman who had lost her husband of 60 years, and three months later, her friends were telling her, you have to get over it, and you have to move on. And she came to me for support in a grief support group, and I just said, you're never going to get over it, ever. That will never occur. But you will learn to live with it. You will learn to live with it. And you will learn to be able to be happy again, even though there's this great sense of loss. But you will never get over it. And those people don't know. They just are afraid of their own feelings and don't know how to handle their own fears and worries. And so they would like you to change so they can feel mm-hmm. happy. And they're, they're ignorant, and we just have to love them where they are. <laughs> but first we get to smack them in the face. And That's, I was thinking that. I wasn't <laughs> trying to be facetious. Are you asking? <laughs> you know, and then we pick them up from the floor after punching them and knocking them down. Lots of forgiveness opportunities with those people. Yeah, and for, for whatever reason, there's always plenty of them. crazy it's why I I try and talk about that as much as I can you know it's really good to talk about it because people have no idea and so it's it's similar with people who are afraid of dying right lots of people are afraid of dying and is anybody here currently afraid of dying or have you been afraid of dying okay so um Elizabeth, just because you haven't shared yet, what is the the fear of dying? Well, I don't have it anymore because we read the book Testimony of Light. And and so uh, when people uh, ask me about uh, or they're talking to me about fear or um, I I know that dying and fear of dying is like in the background, I, um, I tell about that book. And I, uh, I do listen though. And I, um, I, I also, uh, bring up, um, I, I ask if they've ever heard any of the stories about near death or, um, or dying. And, um, I remind them if they have heard those stories, and, and usually people have heard one or two, that all the people who got to the other side and they were dead for a minute or 30 seconds or 30 minutes, uh, which seems impossible, but it, it happens uh, with great regularity. And the common denominator is that none of those people wanted to come back, none of them, not a one. And they had to come back because it was not their day. So, boom, you have to go back. And, and this is the toughest school in the universe right here. And and we've taken on a lot of stepping into these bodies, and, and we raised our hands and we stayed in line in order to get them. But now it's, it's like tough going some days. And, and so um, I, it, it's good to have, have reminders. And, uh, and the other thing is I remind people that um, – Ordinarily, when we were children, particularly if we grew up in a dysfunctional family, which I did, um, we were taught 
don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. But now, at the level where all of us are, we are safe to talk. We are safe to trust. We are safe to feel. And more so every single day as we go along. And and so um, you can't get people to, like, bounce to where they, they aren't. But but you can give them um, an example of of uh, a little piece of different thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, Amy. I just want to say thank you, Elizabeth, because I did that did help my mom. Oh. You know, I talked about the near death experiences, and because I'm pretty fascinated with that myself. Yes, it's fascinating. Help her. She said, they yeah. didn't come back. I said, yeah, no. Exactly. You know, and I'm thinking, my dad doesn't want to hear that because he doesn't believe, or, you know, he just, I don't yeah. know. But anyway, that definitely helps my mom. So thank you. Because I was yeah. wondering at the time, honestly, I was thinking, should I tell her this? Do you know what I yeah. mean? Should well, I tell her the need of I know. You can feel the opening with some people. You know, you can just feel it. You you think like I've got a, a, just a little wedge here that I can just I can just put that little seed in there like a Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. Yeah. And then they think about it later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Because I know that helped me. I mean, yeah, yeah, it helps me too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think because of Testimony of Light, Jennifer, and I'm so grateful that you chose that book for us. I I think that was in 2017 when my class did it. It it just took away all the fear of death. And and so now I think of it, you know how, how we think of somebody who's in uh, the president's cabinet that they serve at the pleasure of the president? Well, I serve here on this earth at the pleasure of God. And when God's ready for me to be on the other side, buddy, I'm ready. But, I, I mean, I'd like to not be ready, really, but... Uh, I mean, because I have grandchildren and I, I, I have beautiful sons and they've turned into such incredible men. And, and, and so I'd like to stay on this planet, be a bodhisattva, it spread uh, the light everywhere for however many years. And, and I mean, like a thousand, let's take that for a round number. So, um, you know, it's just, it, it's all perfect exactly the way it's unfolding and when you have an intersection with somebody like that i think of it as a divine appointment i have them every day there's somebody who's in front of me and at first i i, I don't know what the heck i'm supposed to be telling this person and then they give me a little clue and and then i just start rolling it's just right there yeah that's beautiful thank you yeah, and there's a book um, which I, I recommend to people, though not heavily, uh, in year one, which is uh, Anita Marjani's book, Dying to Be Me. I think that's a really helpful people book for people who are afraid of dying. Gives them some clues. And it's very mainstream, I think. And it's interesting, you know, it's quite interesting. So I would recommend that to your parents, you know, in that situation. Um, and you could recommend it to a client as well. Um, people are going to be afraid of different things. Elizabeth, 
I, I'd just like to make a comment on that book. Uh, she was right on the cusp. I mean, she, she she was, you know, like hours or minutes away from from transition, and she had an experience that was like a near death experience that she had, and turned her right around. So it, it, it's hard to know what somebody else's timetable is. And and that is a powerful book because she just came right right to the edge of the cliff, if you will, right, you know, about to take the next step. And it just, it did a 180. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, that's what makes it so dramatic and so believable, too, you know. It's like... Helen Shookman is the perfect person to have been described for the course because she was a skeptic. Because even, you know, 20 years later, she wasn't sure she believed it, right? Uh, that makes her the perfect person to deliver it because she's got no investment in it, you know? And the fact that she also doesn't have her name on it or anything, all of those things help you, help the, the skeptical person accept it as being maybe real. Yeah, and um, people are afraid of dying for different reasons. I remember I did a um, a thing on dying in hosp in order to be um, a hosp hospice volunteer. So I did a whole training with Daniel Brinkley, whose book I also really recommend, Saved by the Light. It's not well written, so you do have to kind of bite the bullet on that if you're like me and. <laughs> you really like beautiful literary works. It is far from that. But um, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. And um, it's about his near-death experience and life afterwards. And then and he, he actually has died three times, three separate occasions, and come back every time. Um, so that would be something you could recommend to people as well, that book. It's definitely worth reading. I encourage everybody to read it. Um, when I did that hospice care training, I did it with a best friend of mine, and she has children and grandchildren. And so for her, like Elizabeth, um, the whole – because you, you – you, in, in that particular training that it was it was created by Daniel Brinkley, uh, you go through your own death experience and moving to the other side. And um, my for my friend, it was very upsetting because she had to let go of her husband, her children, her grandchildren, and that was really very upsetting for her. I, I don't have a husband or children or grandchildren. So I have a different experience of attachments in my relationships. Um, so that, that's a big thing for people. It's like my mom labored in her passing all night, and then at 7 o'clock, weirdly, I got a phone call from the hospice nurse, and I was out of the room for just a couple minutes, and my mom passed as soon as I left the room. So um, we have these attachments to people, and I, I, my grandmother, I felt she feared death, um, even though she was very much a Christian, and I think part of why she feared death 
was because she she had been really mean at times and could be very manipulative and even cruel, uh, most particularly to the people she loved the most, as is common in humanity. And um, I think that she subconsciously feared death because she feared some kind of retribution or punishment after her passing. So one of the things I did with my mother in her last few months was I just said, I asked my mother very directly, I said, Mom, is there anything that you're holding against me, anything that you'd like to, you know, ask me to say I'm sorry for, or anything, anything at all like that, you know, let's, let's have that conversation. And she said, no, no, there's nothing. But if I had asked her that a year ago, there wouldn't have been nothing. But she had resolved these things in her own mind. And then she asked me if there was anything I was holding against her, and there was truly nothing uh, at that point. But she was in hospice at that point. So if you're not in hospice um, and you're just walking around fearing death, that could be a conversation to help. It will, remember how powerful forgiveness is. So one of the things that you could recommend to a client is to do self-forgiveness letters. It will resolve a fear of death because it will resolve a fear of recrimination from God. And it will not be a direct connect that this equals that, that doing this work equals relief of that issue, but it, on a soul level, it will. Because people have tremendous amounts of regret that they don't even really know that they're not living their purpose, that they haven't lived their purpose, that they've had so many opportunities to be helpful, to be loving, to be kind, to be generous, to be patient, to be awake and aware, and they just said, no, 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 I'd rather watch TV, or I, I, I need to be right about this, or who cares about them, they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them back. You know, all that stuff that we've all done and all felt. And But some people, you know, they're still, they've got another 30 or 40 years of it that's unresolved. And um, and so that's, they fear leaving all of that undone and not living the life they intended to live. Right? So those of you who have read Testimony of Light, uh, well, in year two we'll be reading it. Um, but this year, but it's that when they compare their blueprints, right, the blueprint to what actually happened and how excruciating it can be, that's what people fear because they've been through it before. They know it. It's, but it's just not in their uh, clear awareness, but it's there in their consciousness. Yeah. Vanessa, so nice to see you here. Thanks. It's a, it's an outcome of not being able to go anywhere. I <laughs> revamp my schedule. I'm only working from home. I have more time. Um, yeah. you know, I, no, California is in lockdown. Yeah. As everything should be in lockdown, I think. Anyway. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because I, I love this topic or, or listening to the testimony to the light or of the light. One of the things that was so beautiful and meaningful to me was the, this woman's transmission of the description that everyone 
on that other side of the veil was vibrating to a different level of light. So there could be a Nazi war criminal, and there was absolutely no judgment at all. Just that he was in this class. And then she, the, the uh, nun in the book, she goes up to the master class, and it's Jesus, and the light is just too bright for her. But there was also no judgment there. She just, it was sort of like a coming attraction, and then she moved back into the, wherever the class was that she was attending, for lack of a better word. But there was no judgment, like, oh, I'm just not spiritual enough for that. None at all. And I just... I found that so helpful to me and continues to be so helpful um, for self-judgment or judgment of all others. It's like even someone who doesn't have the patience to sit with someone else's emotions or feelings, it's like they're so, they're in their own fear, their own, you know, longing for firmer grounding. And uh, I, I found that really helpful this week when I was, um, supporting clients because I found people were not only if not so much they were talking about being afraid of death as pain suffering uh, in this human realm of um, chaos of um, you know things like that happening what's going to happen to our homes our jobs etc and that experience of the testimony of the light again, just informs me every single moment of if I'm, I found myself over and over again having an opportunity just to to sit, to pause, to breathe, to receive all of the love and the divine holding and the light coming down. And that's really all I was doing. It was, they were the quietest on my part, <laughs> the quietest sessions I think I have ever had because I felt so, there, there was so much anxiety and so much fear I felt like it was getting expressed that really all I could do or be really was connected to the light. And I'm very grateful for, in that way, this experience. It's, it's very informative. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Are you working, so you're doing sessions from home now? Uh, yes, I have Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and some regular old phone calls. And, um, yeah, it's, I feel like I'm in, it's interesting because I feel like I'm in this bubble of light. You are. It's quiet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you may find that you can be more effective. It's interesting you say that, Jennifer, because that's what I was finding this week. And it's, um, I, I'm, I'm actually planning, as of this morning I woke up, I thought, yeah, I'm just going to move out of my office this month, and that, that'll be that. Uh, it's interesting, the shifts. So you're going to now make a permanent shift to work from home? Mm-hmm. Which is, as you know, because you've known me a long time, that's like a really big deal for me. And um, I felt I could feel, like last week, see, I've lost track of time. Last week, I, I was half and half, and I'm in a suite of offices, so there are other people and other energies and people coming and going. And 
I last week I, I felt some clients didn't feel comfortable shifting to working more virtually. And it's interesting because I found myself going in sometimes, which I was okay doing, but the reason I was doing it is I was more listening to their um, concern and non-belief about, uh, you know, time and space. And probably I noticed a little bit more reacting to their, like, oh, I better be there for them in that way. And I'm trying to figure out how to put it into words. Maybe you can help me, Jennifer. But I, there was something that was something in me that needed to get corrected. Because as long as I was holding that knowledge and that information of no time and space, it would slowly dissolve it. So people that last week didn't want to, they wanted to meet. And more was interesting, it was young people. They were adolescents, and um, which I don't know why that would be because they're on their social media all the time. <laughs> but there was something about, no, they needed to be there right in the room. Oh, I know what it was. A few people said, it just feels so common here. Like they, they come in, and I thought, well, all this time I, I, I've, well, I've been learning slowly not to, but I've been thinking, you know, how I can help them. And really all they want to do is come and sit in my office. Because it feels, I know, and I know why, because I meditate in there, I pray in there, I, you know, it's a sanctuary. And um, so, it's been an interesting journey. Yes, and one of the things that happens, because I used to do sessions in my home, uh, that was the only way I did sessions for a long time, and then I started doing phone sessions, and then Zoom sessions, and, um, or Skype sessions, then Zoom sessions. And um, when you uh, are face-to-face with your client, uh, I used to make sure that they were within three feet of me. Um, So I had a sofa and a love seat that were catty corner, you know, and so I could put one of myself in one corner and them in the other, so we were within three feet. It means they're sitting within your auric field. And they will become entrained with you. Their heart will become entrained with you. And that brings them benefit. And that's, that's a big part of why they like to um, be in person with you. People always used to say that to me all the time. Like, uh, I love being here. It's so beautiful. And it's so peaceful. And, um, yeah. And, you know, people who can read energy will come into a space like yours or mine and say, um, oh, my God, because we're praying so much that they, you know, just it's in the vibration. Yeah. And think of think of Dr. Hugh Len, who would clean the room before the talk. Mm-hmm. So do you find it's a fascinating that auric field. I'm wondering, can that be transmitted virtually then? If you intend it. Ah. If you intend it. I believe it can be. We intend it. I love that. I'm going to practice that. Thank you, Jennifer. Because time and space are not real. Yeah. We're all in the same place all the time. It just seems like we're in different places. 
I could feel that go right into my heart, Jennifer. It's, it's so interesting as you were saying that. I thought, it's happening right now. Thank you. I have a very strong intention around it. Very mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Kel. Um, Vanessa, I really appreciate you sharing all that because I think you and I do similar things and I, I, so I was doing mental health therapy, working with kids, teens, families, adults in an office, of course, a space that people love to come into. I loved going there. Um, <clears throat> and now I'm, I'm shifting to doing everything on the web and I'm getting all the same kind of resistance you're mentioning. Um, like I have a lot of young kids who just can't handle seeing me and their house is in chaos. They can't even get a time to meet. And the teens are really hesitant, but then they're starting to slowly shift and be okay with it. Um, the adults are mostly fine unless there's financial things and they're, they can't meet with me. Um, but I just I, – I would love to hear more on this topic from you, Jennifer, or from you, Vanessa, because I feel like, or other people who work from home with clients, like, a lot, because what I'm struggling with is I'm, even though I'm going from full, days of full clients to days of, like, my schedule is maybe half full on a good day this week, and um, I feel like I'm stuck in the, like, I can't stay present in my home office space and I feel like I'm just like like bouncing all over the place trying to like manage things and like keep myself present and like show up in the same way that I am good at in person um, and it's weird because I've been doing spiritual counseling like this for three years and it's so easy for me to connect this way but with the mental health clients it's like this new thing, this new normal I'm having to shift to. And um, I don't know. I, I'm just having a hard time. Like, I feel like I'm talking too much with my clients and not, like, you know, holding the space as well. Um, so any tips on this, this stuff about energy and, and keeping it? And um, it also doesn't help that my home is in chaos because I'm moving tomorrow around the corner to a new apartment. So it's just like, it's like I, I get off a session, I'm just like, oh, I have to do this and this. And um, anyway, I'm going on. But any, any, any help there would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we're talking about this. Thank you for <laughs> bringing it up. So I can definitely help you with that. So first, I, I really get... Just acknowledge you're you're moving, and uh, my grandmother was a southerner, and she used to say, I forget what general it was, you know, some southern general. She said, she said, whoever it was, uh, said that war is hell, but it's really moving. Uh, and um, so moving is. It's disruptive in so many ways. It's agitating. It's, I, I, you know, I, I move a lot. Even if I'm just going on a trip, like I went to California for five or six days. Packing, unpacking, coming back, pack, unpacking again and all. I, I, I don't like it. 
you know, people often say, oh, you're living the dream lifestyle. You just, I'm like, <laughs> I really am hoping spirit will let me just settle down because I really would prefer that. It's so much easier. I don't like packing and unpacking. I find it, it's the one thing in my life that I find stressful. Um, uh, and I was going to make a joke saying, and the thought of there not being enough coffee. So I'm not hoarding coffee, but I have plenty. Anyway, um, and my almond coconut creamer. Please, God, the people who, need, who make that stuff, they have to understand that that is important, necessary items. It's not as important as the facial masks and the protective gear, but it's up there. I mean, they can stop making baby carrots. We can all just eat adult carrots, but we need the creamers, the specialized creamers for the vegans. You know, am I wrong to think that? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just doing my little spiritual stand-up. So here's the thing. Be highly intentional that your session is going to be the best session you ever did in your whole life. It's going to blow your hair back. You will be changed by it. Your client will be fully served to their maximum capacity of being served. But you, too, will be changed. You, you will be transformed by it. Your life will be lifted up by it. There's no extra charge for holding that intention. Number two, prepare yourself in a, a, a really significant way. So it depends on each person has their different thing. You know, um, for me, like, I, I, have, I noticed last year I've started bathing twice a day. I just noticed that I, I you know, I don't know if it's, I've got a higher vibration, <clears throat> less tolerance for something, but I've just noticed I started bathing twice a day last year. So make sure you feel clean and bathe. Your clothes are clean and you're, you're good to go. You're presenting yourself in whatever way that you feel is, is professional. Um, and make sure that your environment is, I mean, look, I, I, obviously I put some energy into creating my environment here, right? And that's important to me. And I have here, I have different things that, um, this is a, kind of a jasper. I have a selenite. Uh, crystal, which is about clearing. I've got another jasper here. I've got all kinds of crystals here. Not that everybody needs to have crystals. If you don't know what you're doing with crystals, don't have crystals. But for me, crystals are helpful. I have essential oils that I use throughout my day. Uh, my, if my hands get dry, I've got my favorite uh, hand lotion, and um, which has lavender in it. And so I have my things prepared. I've got pictures of Jesus and all kinds of things, candles. Um, one of the things is to have an altar-like area right beside you. And so have a white candle. Have glasses of liquid that are 
uh, you know, uh, picking up that prayer vibration and then you're drinking that water later. Um, and, uh, and I have obviously plants <laughs> and that, that high vibration of beauty and things like that. Uh, having that time, attention, and energy into your environment will help you anchor and it will also provide your clients with something that you, you, they can visually see you've made an effort, you're prepared, you're professional. Um, and I usually turn on the lights here to have a little extra light, but I, I was just feeling that this was enough light today, that's just the light from the window. Uh, in the daylight here. Though I do have a light here. I'm going to send an email with some suggestions for lights that you can use, that you can clip on your computer or your phone that will help you in situations like this. I will do that uh, tonight. Because um, <clears throat> I think things like that are really important. Uh, Lori and I shared a hotel room last week and we were talking a little bit about this. So you can see, you know, I always have the computer lined up so that the camera, I'm on a Mac, I can see the camera here is uh, just above my eye level. Just above my eye level. So it's just a little bit looking down on me. That's what I feel is most flattering to me. And so I have it raised up on a table. Um, and when I go into a hotel room, it's like I said to Lori, I said, that's what an ice bucket is for, <laughs> to raise my computer up so it can be at eye level. And um, I always find a way to do that. And uh, many times I have to adjust the lighting and do all kinds of things. And um, when I'm in a hotel room, I don't have a bed in back of me. I always try to find a way to angle. So nobody's seeing a bed behind me. Because um, to me, that's just part of my professionalism. That, you know, it's one thing if you're in a class and we can see your bed behind you and stuff like that. That's different. It's totally different than working with a client. Um, that's how I am. I, I worked in the professional theater for a long time and professional film and television and things like that. And all kinds of stuff goes on behind the scenes, you know. Things are held together with masking tape and safety pins and Barbie pins and, you know, just all kinds of, you know. But the audience does not see that. The audience sees beautiful, perfection, professional, exactly what you intend them to see. Nothing more and nothing less. So I have years of training that, you, you know, if you sit, feel sick, nobody knows. You know, I think of a story of Meryl Streep when she um, did, shot the movie Out of Africa. There's a scene when she first goes to Africa and she meets all the staff working on the, the plantation that she's, I, I think she, her husband owns it. She's there for the first time. And she's um, walking down this line of people and greeting each one of them. And there's like a dozen of them or whatever. And it's a slow walk. It's a a long uh, take, uh, and she did this take, and she's wearing this buttoned-up shirt, 
and at the end of the take, she ripped her shirt open. There was some bug that had gotten in there. It was crawling all around on top of her, but you never saw that. Even though it was just a take, not in front of a live audience, she didn't blow the take because she knows each take costs money. So it's just, I, I mean, not that we should suffer or anything like that or pre present a false facade in a certain way, but it's just I, I believe in really anchoring myself in, I work for God, God is providing, and I'm going to present myself in a way that includes beauty, because beauty is a spiritual quality, and it's reassuring, it's, it's, um, it's important, it's important, because it, it, it's uplifting, it, 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 it's meaningful, it's not just decoration, and um, so now that Everybody practically is going to be working from home, uh, and certainly you're going to be in greater demand and working from home more. Um, put time and energy into the the way your environment looks that you're presenting to your clients, and you'll feel more secure in it. You'll feel more secure in it for sure. Um, and you all know how to hide your self-view when you're working one-on-one -on -one with your clients. I went over that a while ago. Does anybody want me to go over that again? Okay, good. So, Elizabeth, you just put your cursor inside your picture. You'll see the three little dots. You click on that menu, and at the bottom it says, Hide Self-View. I don't know if you can do it in this, but you can when you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody or two or three or four. So how do I get myself back? See the top, top right? Top right? Of the whole window? Uh-huh. Do you see, what do you see there? It says exit full screen, speaker view, what else does it say? Show self-view? Uh, I, I, uh, I've got uh, a box that has all the dots in it, and then I've got a box with four arrows to uh, the left, the right, and the left, the right at the bottom. What words do you see? Words? There are no words there? No, no words. No. Are you on a PC? I'm on a PC. I wouldn't know what to do with a Mac girl. Because on the Mac it says show self view, speaker view, exit oh. the screen. Okay, there's self view. Uh, it was just a little tiny thing of, uh, uh, on your orchids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would never have figured that out all by myself. That was very helpful. Thank you so kindly. Yeah. Yeah. H hang on one second, Arba. I just want to go back to Cal and. Um, so doing those things, making sure you're prayed up, and being highly intentional, asking the angels and the ascended masters, you know, if you, like, uh, I, I work with Master St. Germain and Jesus, Mother Mary, Kuan Yin, and I ask for support in the highest and best unfolding. 
And uh, I ask Archangel Michael to cut all cords of fear and negativity to us and from us. I do that for myself, for all beings of the earth, for my clients. For I just do it many times a day, just constantly cutting the cords of fear. And, um, and people will cord back right in if they want to. They like that fear thought. You know, it's part of their identity. Um, but in that session, let's, let's have free, free in the session. You know, and the other thing is not to judge yourself if it's not the ideal. You're, you're, you're allowed to learn in your environment. You know, doctors, heart surgeons who are doing heart transplants are learning in their environment. We're all allowed to learn on the job. Of course. So we don't have to, we don't have to have it perfect. We're learning. It's okay. It's okay. How does that feel to you, Cal? Good. Yeah, thank you. This is good remembering all that. Yeah, and just keep bringing it back in the in the the front of my vision field, in the front of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I have some more tips. I'll share them later. Uh, one second, Lori. You, you want to comment on this topic? Let me just see. Uh, 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 Arba, did you want to change the topic or comment on this topic? Uh, it's a little bit of a change, although it has some aspects of doing the visual. It's about hosting the prayer line. And, okay. and so. Let's see what Lori has to say first. Going to make a quick comment about yesterday. Jennifer and I had a meeting with somebody, and Jennifer's background was exactly like that. And one of the first things he said to her when you came, when she came on, was, "Oh, it's so beautiful." And he, like, I saw him completely shift and change. So I just wanted to say that I got to witness how it, it like we take it for granted because Jennifer always has a beautiful background, but I saw someone who didn't know her and who was meeting her for the first time, how it shifted, how he relaxed into the into the conversation a bit more and quicker because of her background. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I can say even more about that, but for um, and I'll, I'll do that in a little bit. Let's see what Arba. Thank you for that, Lori. Yes, thank you for the tips. Uh, I was on the call you had the other day about hosting the prayer line, and one of the things, well, I'm used to being on Zoom. I haven't done Facebook Live, and um, I was just, I'm wondering if you could, uh, I'm sorry, let me go back. One of the things I saw was for additional training and support around doing, hosting that, that there were going to be trainings offered in Masterful Living 2. Um, are there other opportunities? I'm not actually in Masterful Living. So one is, are there other opportunities for training? And two, just any further words about hosting the prayer line and how you would like to see that, particularly with the spiritual counselors. 
Yeah, yeah, thank you for asking. So um, we did send out an email with the recording of the call that we did the other day. So you, you've all gotten that email. You can watch that recording uh, talking about the forming of a prayer ministry. Uh, I, I would like to say it's, it's all going to be volunteer. And uh, the ideal would be to do a prayer every three hours that could be hosted on Zoom. Those who wish to come on Zoom and put things in the chat can do that. Those who wish to participate on Facebook Live can put things in that chat there. And yes, I, I will train you how to handle those things technologically, but also in, in terms of prayer and leadership. So what I was saying is that uh, one of the programs I've been looking to put into place is a prayer practitioner training program. And um, so what I'm going to do is usually in year two, I do one or two extra classes on prayer. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer a longer series on prayer. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to go. Those of you who are not currently in Masterful Living, uh, we can offer it to you for, uh, you know, as a separate class you can enroll in. So, uh, and you can just participate in those prayer classes. So we'll figure that out so you can do that if you're interested. Don't feel you have to do it. It's just something you can do. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just feel really strongly that that would be comforting for people to pray live with people and to know that we're here. And one of my feelings about it is that if, uh, the, if whoever is hosting it every time it's hosted, uh, eight times a day, if we can do it eight times a day, seven days a week, then that whoever hosts it will announce at Facebook and in the chat of Zoom the spiritual counselor's link. If you're a spiritual counselor, you can say, you know, I'm one of these spiritual counselors. If you'd like to reach out to me personally to book a session, here's how you do it. And you can put that into um, the, the chat whether it's at Zoom or at Facebook, and um, that you would get clients and work from it, because I'd like to help you do that as much as you'd like. Any questions about that? Vanessa? Uh, it's not really a question, but I just wanted to share that um, many years ago when I was working in the Agape prayer ministry, there was a room there and there were little cubbies. And so you, as Jennifer knows, you'd be sitting in there and you could hear like six people sometimes praying to someone on the phone or praying with someone on the phone. And it's interesting because when I think about that time, I learned so much because the intention is only to be anchoring the truth, the unity, the oneness, and um, my deep sense is that everyone will 
if they want to participate in that, find that it really does help with spiritual counseling sessions. Because if you enter in with it, that is really the, really what we are offering and practicing ourselves. It's just so helpful because it's not to, people sometimes, and in the beginning, I, I would go off into the story with people. It's just some person somewhere in the world and they're, they go, they launch right into their own story and it can be very compelling. And because of my long early training with talking to people about their story, <laughs> it was even harder for me to, to break that habit. But such an, a, a wonderful gift to break that habit because you're only praying and that's it. And gently, gently, but firmly bringing the person back to the prayer. And I love this format, Jennifer. The idea is like quite revolutionary of the Zoom prayer because all these other people can jump on other people's prayer requests. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so comforting when we can see someone. It's just comforting, especially when people are quarantined at home. Which, you know, really, hopefully, by Monday, everybody will be quarantined across the United States, pretty much, just for public safety. I'm, I'm hearing that people are still going out to restaurants, and restaurants in certain places are still open and doing all kinds of things, and yeah, so... Um, very challenging time. Very challenging time. Um, and a month from now, when just think about most of the people who earn hourly wages, who don't have work, they're out of whatever credit they had. The average American does not have a month's cushion. going to be very intense and um, especially when there's not enough protective gear and all of that even for the medical workers they're already running out or have run out and the federal government has not got a plan to procure more that's really going to meet the needs of what states are having to figure it out on their own we've never been in a situation like this ever and the federal government put it on the states. Usually the federal government gets in there, snaps into action, says what's what, and can, you know, coalesce everything and organize everything for the highest and best for everyone. But that's not what's happening now. So um, it's going to, a lot of people are going to go rogue. And we probably will see crazy things. Uh, in, in the Power of Love ministry, we, we have a number of the staff, but half the staff is in the Philippines, in different places in the Philippines. And in the Philippines, somehow this story got out that bananas cure the coronavirus, and people were fighting over bananas and hoarding bananas. And so people, things like that are going to happen. They are going to happen. So we need to be way showers and not judge any of that. Don't even judge it when you see it on TV. Just like, oh, that's what's happening? Okay, I can hold the light for those people. 
you know, instead of saying those people are stupid or crazy or whatever, just like, oh, okay, um, let the truth be known there. Let the truth be known there. Let love prevail there. You know, just take the news as your prayer request list, right? So um, one of the things I was going to talk about here today, and I see we're out of time, but if you'll indulge me and go another 15 minutes or so, um, and if you need to drop off, I totally understand. You can always obviously get the recording. Um, just checking my note here. My computer's having a brain fart. Um, Yeah. People are going to be dealing with intense amounts of fear. So one thing to always remember and to fall back on is fear, 100% of the time, is caused by thinking false thoughts. It comes from thinking attack thoughts whether you're attacking yourself or someone else. That's always the root cause of fear. Venerable teaches that the only exceptions to that are people are naturally afraid of loud noises and falling down. You know, I, I'm a loud noise person. When there's a loud noise, I will scream involuntarily. I scream when there's a loud noise. <laughs> people look at me. I just... My ears are super sensitive. And um, and then, like, think of, like, if you think you're going to fall on the stairs or something, you go, <gasps> like that, you know. it's Those are the two natural fear responses that people have. That's what Venable was taught by her teachers. and um, But everything else comes from judgments and opinions. So helping people, I remember... In the election in 2008, or maybe it was 2012, I guess it was 2012, uh, right at the same time, people in Masterful Living reaching out to me and saying, I, I need to do counseling with you because I'm just totally freaking out. And one person who'd been in Masterful Living uh, for a couple years saying, so here's the thing, if Obama is reelected, it's just going to mean an absolutely devastating future for the children of America. There will be no hope for the children of America if Obama's reelected. And I am so terrified that that could actually happen. And then, then what? Then what? What can I do? I have children. My children will have no clear future if Obama is reelected. And then simultaneously, somebody saying, if Obama is not reelected, life will turn into a hellish nightmare. 
So two people, both in masterful living, both you know, steeping themselves in the teaching and both having the same exact issue because their perception, right? So this is a time when there's going to be a lot of that. And people are going to um, misperceive and, and, and they feel like victims that this, this whole coronavirus is happening to them and they have less control than ever. The thing is, is the fact that they thought they had control before, that was the illusion, right? So I know that this is working together for our good. It's going to bring us together as a, for all humanity. There's going to be a uniting. I'm just waiting for God to say, okay, Jennifer, you know, now start saying more and talking more. So I'm not, I haven't quite felt like go from God yet, but I will be, and I will be speaking out more on Facebook and organizing free classes and things to talk about this, but it's, I'm not feeling the go time yet from spirit, but um, I'm feeling to put these other things in place now, and that's where to put the attention, putting in the, the prayer and making sure all of you counselors are um, ready to work and 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 uh, letting people know about the other kinds of services that we have in the ministry that can help and support them. So, but that's the number one thing that people are going to be dealing with. And they're going to have a long list of things that they're afraid of. Not being able to pay their bills. Uh, being sick. I was saying in Masterful Living classes this week that, like, I... I if I have an ache or a pain or a cough, my first thought is, what does that mean, right? Ego wants to interpret it. What does it mean? Am I sick? You know, last night, um, I was I got a message from Jesse Brun Horan that his husband, who has the coronavirus, is in the hospital, has been there for a week now. He was being moved to the intensive care unit because he wasn't getting enough oxygen. His lungs aren't getting enough air, and you know, the, your lungs turn the oxygen in, in, in to, puts it, put it into the bloodstream. And if your organs don't get enough oxygen, they suffer. So um, I noticed last night and at different times in the last couple of days that I could feel, I was, I was like my lungs were not breathing as normally. And just noticing, well, did I get exposed to the virus? Do I have the virus? What does that mean? I don't feel I'm sick. Um, I don't feel I have the virus. And if I did, I feel strong. Um, and people can have the virus undetected, don't know it, and don't really get sick. Or they don't get sick for weeks. Um, but... I am so connected to so many people and I can feel how intense it is for so many people. I think it's just my heart chakra. It's just experiencing all of that. It's my heart chakra is tied to so many other people's heart chakras. And people have real fear. And my heart chakra is very much tied to Jesse and his husband and their children. And it's really intense for them right now. 
Sissy's quarantined at home with two boys under the age of five. They can't go out. No one can come in. It's intense. Imagine being in a, a smallish apartment with two little ones for now, you know, over a week, can't leave. And no, no leaving in the foreseeable next few weeks. Like, that's, that's intense. It's so intense. Um, they had to send the dog because they can't go out and walk the dog and stuff, you know, send the dog with somebody. So they don't have their dog and, you know, stuff like that is happening to lots of people. And I do encourage you very strongly to connect with everybody you can. Connect with people in your neighborhood. Connect with friends and relatives and just check in. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you okay? Because folks who have diabetes and things like that, they're more at risk. You know, lots of people are more at risk for different reasons that you might not even think of. So um, that will worry them. But 80% of people who actually contracted the virus, what they're saying is, you will just experience it like a cold or a flu, maybe uh, a bad flu. But people are coming through, coming out the other side and giving reports already, and they're doing it all at home without needing any kind of ventilators or respirators or anything. And they're just handling it at home. Um, but there's, they're afraid, and they're watching the news. And the news is frightening. The news is frightening. It's very alarming. You know, I was watching the news. I don't remember what day it was. And the, the number of cases in New York, because of testing increasing, you know, went from 900 to 1,800. That's more than uh, uh, double, you know. So it's like, what? Um, and... That's the time we're living in because the more people are tested, the more we will see, wow, there's a lot of people that have it. Um, so really do that. Take that extra step. Like, I, you know, I was saying in class this week, I've got someone who's in New York City, which is one of the hot spots for it. And she's in her mid-60s. She's in a fifth floor walk-up. She's got a dog. And she's sick. She's sick. She's getting better. She's doing all right. But she doesn't have family. And her friends are all staying in. Fortunately, her neighbor is bringing her groceries. When Every time the neighbor goes to the grocery store, she, she gets groceries. And um, the dog is a little dog, so the dog can live without going outside and can and poop on pads, you know, um, but it's tough, and so I'm checking on her multiple times a day, and because I feel safe, I said to her, look, if you really do get sick, you can come stay with me, and I will take care of you, because there's nobody else that's going to say that to her, and I know it, but, and that really helped her. She felt better the next day immediately, when that, and I know it's just because she felt less worried, because right? this is affecting people in their lungs. Your heart chakra is where your lungs are. It's not an accident that this virus is about the heart chakra area. It's not. So 
um, I, I did a blog. I, I republished the same blog a couple weeks in a row. On Tuesday, I published it called Immune Booster. That's something you can send to people. People have told me they found it really helpful and encouraging. Um, so the other thing I'd like to share very quickly here is Um, regarding going back to what Kel was asking about so one of the best things I ever did in my life was I worked with a woman who's a genius she's brilliant and she works with style and design personal style and design as well as decor and so I had all my colors done and uh, I learned so much and one of the things that I learned from her was, because I used to wear black and white and certain reds, and I don't have anything black here, maybe a pair of somewhere in a box. I've got a pair of black sweatpants that I try never to wear because black's not a good color for me. But I, I used to wear colors that were not good for me. And people used to tell me all the time that I looked beautiful and my clothes were beautiful. But I was wearing clothes that would make me disappear, that people couldn't see me because of the colors. They, they, the people would see my clothes, but they wouldn't see me. And I didn't know that it was just one of the ways I was hiding. So um, what, just one of the basic things I learned is um, – if you wear your skin tone, like I'm intentionally wearing my skin tone colors today. Why? Because I knew that I was going to have a staff meeting with the staff this morning and knowing that some of them were concerned and worried. I wanted to, when you wear your skin tone, you appear to be more related. You appear to be more related, right, relatable when you wear your skin tone. There's just an evenness about you when you wear your skin tone, you know. And so, um, and for me, you will notice I'm almost always wearing a solid color with texture. Almost always wearing a solid color with texture. I don't look good in big prints. You wouldn't see me if I was wearing a big print. That wouldn't be true for other people, but it's true for me. Um, and I, I usually wear textures and things like this because my hair has lots of texture, so it's congruent with what God gave me. I don't wear silky, shiny things because my hair is not silky like that. It's not straight and silky. It's wavy and has texture. So I wear things that have texture because it matches and is congruent with my, my, what God gave me, what's natural to me. Um, and I have my natural hair color, more and more gray coming in, but natural. And um, I, uh, I, I know what colors are my power color and other, my romance color and different things like that. And, um, and I wear them, and the power color is related to your eye color. It's not your eye color, but it's related to your eye color. And when you wear your power color, you, you seem much more powerful. 
and depending on what I'm doing, I'll wear my power color. Um, I like to wear white because it is that purity. I look really good in white. Some people don't look good in white. Some people need to wear off-white or kind of a linen-y, lemony white. It depends on their coloring. My coloring, if I wear a lemony yellow or anything, I would look sick, like something was wrong with me. So I don't ever wear any anything with yellow uh, tinges in it um, or any orange. It just does not look good on me. Um, and they're greens I can't wear. But my eyes are like an olive green uh, with gold flecks in them. And so I, uh, if you wear your eye color, what I was taught is wear your eye color if you're ever going to negotiate a contract. Because the wearing your eye color will draw attention to your eyes and will make you appear to be more honest. Because um, it will draw attention to your eyes. So, and whenever I do wear my eye color, people often say, "Oh my gosh, your eyes are so green! I didn't realize how green they are." I'm like, yeah. So, um, there are tips like that. Um, and there's the woman I studied with. She has some online courses and things. And what I was thinking of doing is maybe for the ministry purchasing her online program. And then I have a couple of friends who are agape practitioners. Um, and uh, so they're prayer practitioners and um, trained spiritual counselors. And they've gone through the same training I have with Jennifer Butler. And you can look at her site. It's called JenniferButlerColor.com, JenniferButlerColor.com. And see what you think. And then I thought I'd see if they, my friends, would be willing to meet once or twice a month with those who would like to. And we can record them on Zoom. And um, we, we can just, um, and then if you find it valuable, you could send them a tithe or something, you know. Or you could tithe to the ministry and we could just transfer that money to them. Um, because I, I think you might find it valuable. Um, to me, it was one of the most valuable things I ever did, and this would be a low-cost way to do it. The ideal would be that you would fly out to L.A. and you would work with Jennifer, um, do some group class with her, uh, do one-on-one, -on -one, get your colors done with her, but you may not be able to do that. And um, it's not inexpensive, um, and it's not outrageously expensive, but it would definitely cost you a couple grand to go and do that. But I think that based on what my my colleagues know and what I know, you could learn enough that it would really support you. It does make a difference. And just doing things like you see how I always have my face in the top half of the screen. I don't I don't have it like that. You see, what, now imagine I taught the class like this. What difference would that make for you as the viewer if I taught the class like this? Seriously, just give, how, what difference would it make? It's distracting because I'm focusing on the flowers and not your face. 
and probably not what you're saying then. Yeah, you're disembodied, just a talking head. You seem far away, like not approachable. Right. Yeah, and what if I move like this? What if I move like this? What if I did the class like this? It doesn't seem yeah. like settled. It seems less professional. Yeah, anything else? You're backlit, so your face doesn't show up as much. Mm-hmm. You can't really see my eyes? Like, one of the decisions I make when I teach a class is I make the decision that, like, I can see you better if I wear my glasses. But you can see my eyes better if I don't wear my glasses. So that's why I go back and forth with my glasses. <laughs> Because I'd rather give you the gift of being able to see my gorgeous eyes. But it just only because it makes it more related. So now I've been talking with you like this for a couple minutes. Would you, how would you feel if we spent an hour like this? Right? Yeah. So it's just something to, to really put um, thought into. So that's why I try and make this just the, just above the top of my head and give you more of this. And I also don't push it, you know, I could put it way out there, but it feels too far away. I mean, it would be okay, but again, you can't see as much of my expressions in my face and in my eyes. And what I know is, like, how many of you are watching this on, um, what do you call it? Speaker view. How many are watching on speaker view? Arva is, and Elizabeth is. Okay. So the rest of you are watching it in gallery view, right? So I like to do it in gallery view because then I can see everybody. And it's my joy to see everybody. I like seeing everybody. Um, and so for those of you, since most people I know are watching it in gallery view, um, then you really wouldn't be able to see my eyes if I sat way away from the computer. So I, I you know, I figured that this is the, the ideal. This is the ideal. And I, I do think that this is a little too close because then you don't get as much of a sense that we're sitting together. And you're, and, and perhaps it has to do with, you know, you're getting the top part of my, my heart chakra. Maybe. Elizabeth. Uh, when you push the, the table out that has the computer on it, it also affected your sound quality. Yeah, I would have to. Yeah, exactly. I ha this computer has a very good microphone, so I don't have to wear a headset, which is important to me because I don't like wearing a headset. Yeah. Yeah, so those are some things to just think about. 
like Elizabeth, we we see you. Do you see what we see when we see you? Like I, I'm just gonna do this for a second here. I'm spotlighting your video. So we see. We don't quite see your eyes. Your eyes are black, kind of black holes, and we yeah. see also the reflection on your glasses of the computer. But you're also in you're you're in a darker space. It's hard to see you. So, you know, these things affect um, our experience. Yeah. So I, I went way over the time here, so I'm going to pray us out. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah, Elizabeth. I don't have a question, but I just have a helpful hint. Uh, on, on Tuesday at, uh, at Venerable's class, she was talking about essential oils. So, so look through what you have at home and find an essential oil. So I have a snack bag here, with a little piece of cotton that I actually cut in half. So it would be small, and I put a whole bunch of drops on on this, and so my whole room is smelling of this because this is right here on on uh, the surface around me, and this will help your breathing. It will help you um, with your fear, and uh, and so the ones that that she emphasized uh, on Tuesday were sage, uh, white pine, cedar. Juniper. She didn't. She didn't uh, uh, mention mention eucalyptus. Right now, I'm using a Breathe Easy uh, essential oil, but find one and and and, uh, and tell your people that you're talking to to find their essential oils because we all have have some. I have lots, so it, it's just helpful. It will help your uh, uh, your physical health. And uh, it, it will make sure that you have a positive attitude of knowing that you are safe. And in the, the Seven Sacred Flames book, there is a prayer of protection. It is also in your journal. Yeah, use it. Yeah. There we go. Thank you for that, Elizabeth. Welcome. Yes. I have essential oils. <laughs> and if anybody would like some help with that. I, I am a, a distributor. I don't ever hardly ever talk about it, but I'd be happy to give some advice and help with that because I love essential oils. I'm putting them on myself all day long. Whenever I get in an elevator or something, people always say, who smells so good? And I always say, that would be me. So, but yeah, it's an important part of, um, for me, the, just the, the ways that nature supports my life. Yeah, very important to me. Yeah. And, and do what Jennifer does. She puts one drop on uh, one of her hands and then she does it like this and she puts them up to her face. And I think that was what Venerable intended with the, with the, all the trees. And also that the trees are grounding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, those conifer trees. So great. Yeah. Um, and 
Elizabeth, if you can stay on at the end, I'm going to say a prayer. Anybody else final thoughts or questions? More to come, obviously. Oh, let me just by a show of hands, who's interested if I can arrange the stuff about the style and design and all of that? Okay, pretty much everybody. All right, great. So, hands on our hearts. We are grateful and thankful for the love, the infinite love, the Niagara Falls of love, the never-ending source of love, the infinite source of love that is always lifting us, carrying us, leading us, guiding us, guarding us, and protecting us. We are grateful and thankful to say yes to making the full use of the love that we are broadcasting it, like lighthouses, broadcasting the light everywhere in this world to all of our family and friends. We are truly, truly grateful to open ourselves to an unprecedented flow of love and light. We are grateful that only love is real. And so we are safe. We're safe in God. We're grateful to use these times to deepen our spiritual practice, to know more clearly the truth, and to help others to do the same. This is the time we were born for. We're on the job. We are grateful that we have the work provided to us that is ours to do, and we have everything we need within us. So we go forth in love, in peace, in harmony, in compassion, and we share the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. It's so good to be with you. Bye for now. Love you all. Love you all.